We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Tuesday, June 20th. Back to our Notre Dame position previews. We are 67 days, I believe it's 67 days away from the season kicking off. When Notre Dame will kick off in late August against Navy. Fall camp is less than a, I mean, it's really about... Little over a month away. Notre Dame's going to start sometime in late July, so we're 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 getting really close. The season's right around the corner. We're going to ramp up our previews of the 2023 season today. We're we're talking about the wide receivers, and this is a really interesting group. And largely, the reason it's an important group is because how well this group performs is going to go a very long way towards determining what this football team can be in 2023, at least from an offensive side of the ball. You know, we have expectations of Sam Hartman. I think we know what the floor is for Sam Hartman. We we know who Audric Estime is. The tight end group is a bit of a question mark, but there's talent there. We've seen those guys play. The offensive line is is expected to be a good group. And the question is going to be, okay, is the receivers, are they just going to be solid? Are they going to be are they going to be good? Are they going to be really good? Or are they going to really take a giant leap this year? And where they are on that spectrum is going to have a big impact on what this team is going to be is going to look like offensively. And I'll I'll dive into kind of some of the reasons why during the show and talk about why this group stepping up is so important. And and really when it comes down to it, you look at this group and for people that like star rankings, I mean, every kid that's going to be in the rotation outside of Matt Salerno is a four-star top 250 kid. You've got top 100 kids, I think, what, I think at least four, four or five of the receivers in the roster were ranked as top 100 recruits by at least one service. And, and of course, outside of the rankings, just the film is really impressive. There's a lot of talent here. But as we have said all along about this group, right now it's a group loaded with potential. The question is going to be, does that potential turn into production? And that right there is going to determine just how good this Notre Dame football team is going to be in 2023 on the offensive side of the ball. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So when you look at this group, first and foremost, this, this puts a lot of, there's a lot of pressure, I would say. I, I best word I can come up with on Chancey Stuckey, the wide receivers coach. And when you look at Coach Stuckey, you know, he's a guy that that uh, you know we were having a little discussion on him on the message board the other day, and and there's like, well, you know, this guy stepped up, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy didn't step up. And and I think that where I'm people will know, like, so why are you optimistic about the job that Chancey Stuckey did last year? Because the production wasn't there and all this other type of stuff. And you know, this guy didn't pan out. And I want to say like there's several reasons for me. Number one is you look at a group as a whole and you have to know how am I properly evaluating this? You know, what am I putting on coaching? What am I putting on players? When is there equal blame to go around? How do you evaluate what's the difference between it being a player problem or a coaching problem? What I've always said when I look at this conversation is if it's a player here or there, that's usually a player problem. When something is consistent throughout the depth chart, it's a coaching problem. And so when some people would want to defend the previous coach, they say, well, you know, look how good of a route runner Avery Davis is. And then, of course, that went out the door when Avery Davis said himself that he basically learned watching YouTube videos. But when you see something that goes out through the entire room, it's a coaching thing, good or bad. When it's a guy here, a guy there that stands out, that's usually a player thing, good or bad. And so when you watch the receivers last year and you watch how they, they struggled even early in the season, well, showed some slight improvement against Ohio State getting off the line. They got open enough to where, you know, some really good balls. They'd have had a chance to make some plays in that game, no question about it. They guys had, guys got open against Marshall, but there was also some really rough spots against Marshall. Some drops, some not competing for the ball, some not blocking the way you needed to. It was it was a rough first couple of games. You, you get off to a rough start against against Cal in, in week one. Brayton Lindsey dropping balls, guys not running hard when they're you know the, when they're not the primary receiver. And then you kind of steadily look as the season goes on. North Carolina got better. BYU got better. And you look at the end of the season and you're like, man, Jaden Thomas, who just flat out didn't belong on the football field in weeks one and two, by the end of the season, looked like a veteran. I mean, route running and blocking and making plays. And 
you know, when the ball came his way, doing what he needed to do, getting open. You look at Braden Lindsay and how he evolved as a player last year and how often he how he was able to get open as much as he was in the place he was able to make. Even Deion Colsey steps in late in the year after doing nothing the first, what, seven games of the year, steps in against uh, Syracuse, makes a few grabs. Ryan and I were sitting there at that game. He probably should have had eight catches that game if the ball would have come his way as much as it should have come his way. And then he become, makes money third down play against Navy, you know, steps up against USC, makes two huge plays against USC, got himself open late in the game for, for another ball that should have come his way that, that didn't, didn't end up getting thrown. And you say, boy, the quality of the receiver play just got so much better. Bowl game to me was indicative of what that group was, which was talented enough and coached well enough to go make some plays, but also not there yet. You know, you think about the job that Braden Lindsay did that game and Jaden Thomas did that game. But then you think about, you know, the opportunities that, that Tobias Merriweather had to make plays and, and, and wasn't able to. The opportunities that Deion Colsey had to make plays and wasn't able to. So it showed that this group has ability, but it's also still a work in progress. So the question now is, is can Coach Stuckey get this group in year two to make that big jump? And that's going to be the question about this group. And I, and I had a had a chance to meet with Coach Freeman today at his office. Obviously, all the, the beat writers and different uh, outlets are able to sit down with Coach Freeman this summer. I got my opportunity to sit down with him today. And when we talked about the wide receivers, I mean, you could see it, that he's excited about this group. But even he would mention, like, you know, now it's about them going out and producing. And he has a great deal of confidence, Coach Stuckey. So that there's going to be – we're going to learn a lot about Chancey Stuckey this season. And if he's the coach that, that I think he is, and, and based on what we saw last season – then I do think this group is going to be good because if it isn't, then this offense is going to have trouble reaching its full potential. If it is good, then this offense is going to be a very dangerous group. So we talk about why it's important to step up. Well, number one, philosophically, this group has to step up because the offense is going to be different this season. Structurally, it's going to be similar. Um, From a terminology standpoint, it's all going to be the same stuff. But Jared Parker's different than Tommy Reese. And not, not better, not worse, just different. And when you look at that, at Jared Parker, some of the things that we anticipate, even just t- talking to Coach Freeman today, you know, he confirmed what we've been talking about, which is RPOs have to be a bigger part of the game. Uh, they have to complement the run game to a much greater degree. And so if you're going to be an RPO offense, you need guys that can make plays in the RPO game, not just guys that are just out there catching five-yard hitches and getting tackled all the time. You need guys that can can scare a team with the RPO game. Say, hey, I'll, I'll give up a five-yard hitch every single day of the week if it means I can make sure I have enough guys in the box to defend Audric Estime or Jadarian Price or whoever is 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 there. So you need guys that can make plays. That's part of the reason Chris Tyree got moved to wide receivers because of this shift in focus. Or not shift, shift. Yeah, shift in focus is the right way to say it when it comes to the RPO game, which is something we just didn't see a lot of from Notre Dame last year. We saw it but just not a lot. So that's going to be part of the conversation. Uh, we saw, I mean, part of the reason that, that Tommy Reese went out and got Jared, got Sam Hartman is because they want to throw the ball down the field more. I think then going from Coach Reese to Coach Parker only emphasized that to an even greater degree. And so you're going to see an offense that needs to be more aggressive. So two best ways that you can complement a really good ground attack is a strong, well-designed, well-executed, and dangerous RPO game and then the ability to stretch the field and beat you over top. If you're going to bring numbers down, if you're going to play the run game, I, as an offensive coordinator, need to be able to rely on my receivers, my quarterback, my line to, to execute concepts that I come up with that allow us to attack the second and third levels of the defense. 
And so I think a lot of that's going to be what we're, we're going to need to see on, on the team this year from the offense. If Notre Dame's going to compete for a championship this year, if they're going to complete, compete for a playoff spot, then the offense has to be more dynamic. It has to be more aggressive. And the receivers are going to be a big part of that. We know Sam Hartman can throw the deep ball. We know Sam Hartman has the ability to put up big numbers if the receiving core plays to its potential. What we need to find out now is can the Notre Dame players match what Wake Forest put on the field last year and hopefully surpass it? That remains to be seen if they're going to be able to do that. Part two of it is this. When you when you look at the Notre Dame offense and you look at the potential that it has, it's, it's going to be hard for it to have the necessary balance if the receivers aren't stepping up and making plays. And that's going to be a big part of it, too, is that that complementary nature. So, yes, you've got the RPOs. Yes, you've got your play action, your shots downfield. But just can you be an efficient offense throwing the football? Those are going to be some some big questions. And then, of course, right now you're recruiting off of the fact that you're saying, hey, we're going to do this, this, and this. Now it's time to put that product on the field so you can maintain the job that you're doing throwing the ball or, or on the recruiting trail. So when you look at this group, lots of potential question is is are they going to step up and who steps up and then the final piece to this is last year we talked about does Notre Dame need an alpha at wide receiver and the answer ultimately came down to it'd be nice but you don't need it because you always had Michael Mayer that's your out that's your true alpha the the best receiver was going to compliment Michael Mayer that was the dude well Michael Mayer's in the NFL now he's with the Las Vegas Raiders and as much as I love the potential of the tight end room there's no Michael Mayer on that roster. There's no one that that at any point in time in this season that you look at and say, hey, this, this group is going to go out there and they're going to step up and they're going to make plays and this guy's going to have 60 catches for 800 yards, whatever the case may be. You don't really have that in the room for this season, maybe down the road, but this year you're not going to have that. So the tight end position is now needs to be complementary of the receivers. And so it's the receivers that need to step up and have alphas emerging, whether it's one guy that steps up throughout the season, two guys that step up, or you can also get by this way, which is depending on who you're playing, what the matchup is, where their strengths are, what they're doing defensively. It could also be a situation where, you know, in three games this year, Tobias is the alpha. In three games this year, it's Jaden Thomas is the alpha. In three games this year, Chris Tyree is the alpha. In three games this year, it's Deion Colsey right? I think three plus three times four, 12, right? So that's the regular season. That could also be the, 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 the conversation too. And that would work as well. And when you look at Wake Forest, I think what, what, what I think what made that offense so dangerous is yes, you had A.T. Perry who put up very good numbers, but he wasn't a one-man show. Obviously Donovan Green had great numbers last year. Taylor Marin had great numbers last year. Keyshawn Williams had really good numbers last year as complimentary players to A.T. Perry. And if you put too much time defending A.T. Perry, then those other guys can hurt you. Can Notre Dame be that? that? That's a question that remains to be seen. And if they can answer that positively, then this group is going to be pretty good. If they can't, then it's going to be another underachieving season. And we're going to have to ask ourselves, is this just a, a position that Notre Dame is going to have a hard time really developing to that level? That's going to be a very fair question. So when you look at the receiving core this season, the 
the guy that I expect to, to, to go into the season that I feel is the most, I'm certain about this, is Jaden Thomas. And there's a lot of excitement about Tobias Merriweather and Deion Colsey and Chris Tyree and the freshmen and all those type of guys. But we kind of take Jaden Thomas for granted. I know I do. And it's kind of interesting because a year ago, the kid goes into the season with zero career catches. And, and, and you wonder, like, does he have the ability to be the alpha? I think that's still a question mark. Does Jaden Thomas have the ability to be a Michael Floyd type you know, volume player? I don't know that he does. And, and he's going to have to prove that to me. But I, but what excites me about Jaden Thomas this season is there's a level of potential consistency that he showed late in the year that if he can carry that into the 2023 season, he's going to be a very good football player that you have to contend with. So what is it about Jaden that makes him effective? When you break down the film, you know, he's not a burner by any stretch. He's not slow, but he's not a guy that's going to be winning with speed. What he showed last season is that is 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 what we've talked a lot about on this show in the past is being fast doesn't make you a great athlete. Being a great athlete doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to be fast. You can be a great athlete that's a four six guy. And and what is what does that mean? Okay, I've got quickness, I've got great balance, I've got great acceleration, I've got the ability to to get to full speed. If I'm a four six, I'm a four six quickly. Uh, a guy that can be efficient in a top in his top ends, get in and out of his breaks well because he's got really loose hips and strong feet and strong agility and really strong ankles, and he can explode out of breaks and again get to that four six right out of the break. And Jaden started to show that late last year. He started started to show the ability to to uh, to uh, he started to show a much better understanding of how to get open, how to use his release to manipulate defensive backs to freeze them, to lean them in the direction he wanted, and then break things off and go make a play in a different direction. And we obviously saw it against Navy. We saw it against South Carolina in impressive fashion, and he's a kid that's very strong. So when the ball's thrown in his direction, he showed the ability late to go make those plays, which is a far cry from where he was early in the season, and that's something that you get excited about. Is like this kid had every reason in the, in, in the world to pack it in. You know, We're calling for him to get benched, and he was so bad against Marshall – and, but it just didn't phase him. He kept battling, he kept battling, he kept battling, kept getting better. And now you look at him and, and he's the one certainty that you have to a degree coming into the season. And I expect a big jump from Jaden. Here's some things I think we're going to see from Jaden Thomas this season. Number one, we're going to see him play the slot, but I think we're going to see him move around a bit this season. I think we're going to see him play some to the field. I think we're going to see him play some to the boundary. Obviously, when Notre Dame goes 12 personnel, whoever's in a receiver is going to play a lot into the, as an outside guy. There are certain things they can do where they can go twins where one guy's in the slot and you know maybe have a, a wing to that side. So it's sort of a three-by-one with an attached type of look, or you can go two-by-two two, uh, with you know a, a tight end, maybe backside or a tight end and a wing. Uh, attach and, and sort of attach positions. There's a lot of different things you can do out of 12 personnel. And in those looks, obviously, Jaden will be outside as well. I think the big thing for me is that we saw this spring, saw it in the blue gold game, saw it in some of the practices, is last season when you look at Jaden's numbers, he was not very effective as an outside receiver. Earlier in the season, he played more outside. The pick six against Marshall, he was an outside receiver. When he was at his best in 2022, was playing in the slot. He was more comfortable there. He knew how to get open. He just did a better job overall from a production standpoint. In the spring, however, we saw Jaden show the ability to do more on the outside. That was big for Notre Dame for a couple reasons. Number one, it gives you more things that you can do with him, 
right? And I'm a big, y'all know me, I'm a big fan of being able to move receivers around. You know, where you as a defense don't always know where my guys are going to be. So if if your game plan is say, I'm going to stop Jaden Thomas, or I'm going to stop Tobias Merriweather, I'm going to stop this guy, I'm going to stop your tight end. If you know where that guy's going to be all the time, it makes it a lot easier for you to make the calls and that you need to make to stop my best player or some of you know, who you define is not even the best player, but the guy that you're most concerned about complimenting other parts of what your, your play calling is going to be that day. So with Jaden showing more versatility from an alignment standpoint to where not just he can line up somewhere, but he can go make play somewhere. I think that gives you a lot more flexibility to move yourselves around in certain personnel groups. The second part of it is this. They didn't move Chris Tyree over to receiver to be just a 10, 15 snap complimentary player. They want him to play. Now, is he going to be a 60 snap guy? No, that he's not going to be that either. It's going to be a happy medium, maybe 30, 25 to, to 40 snaps a game is maybe what you're going to, where you're going to see Chris Tyree. So if Jaden Thomas is a slot and he can't make plays outside and Chris Tyree is a slot, something has to give. Either Jaden loses reps or Tyree loses reps. By Jaden Thomas emerging this spring as someone capable of helping out on the outside, you now have scenarios where you can not only rotate those two players, but you can also put Jaden Thomas to the boundary, to the field, as part of a rotation with your outside guys, with Tobias Merriweather, with Deion Colsey, with those other outside receivers. That also opens up some opportunities for Jaden Greathouse to play in the slot. So I think I think we'll see Jaden De- Thomas be a bit of a jack of all trades this year as far as where he's going to line up and play. And and I think the other part of it too is we've talked about, you know, Michael Mayer had 600 60 plus catches last year, 700 plus yards. And when you break down his numbers and you break down how he was used, he was a guy that was used a lot out of the box. He was in the slots, running option routes, running crosses, running overs. Uh, doing different things, corner routes, a lot of different things, wheel routes that Michael Mayer was used to do. Some of that will be replaced by Mitchell Levins, Holden Stace, Eli Raritan. But uh, some of that also can easily be replaced by Jaden Thomas. Now, that doesn't mean Jaden's going to be playing tight end. It just means if I need to get a guy open on this over concept, last year I might go 12 personnel, have Michael Mayer do it. This year I can go 11 personnel and have Jaden Thomas do it and create a completely different type of mismatch. So I think we're going to see a lot of that type of stuff from Jaden Thomas this year where, you know, he becomes that, okay, it's third and five. Where are you looking? Well, we're looking at 83. That's where we're looking. So I think those are aspects of this that we're going to see as well from the Notre Dame wide receivers. And I think Jaden Thomas is the one guy that if he doesn't, if he's not what we think he is, which is that steady presence, that could have some negative impacts on the Notre Dame wide receivers this season because I don't want to have to ask Tobias Merriweather, for example, to be the steady veteran type of player. I don't want to ask Chris Tyree to be that guy because he's still new to this position. I need, if I'm the receivers coach, I need Jaden Thomas to be that guy. I need you to be Mr. Dependable. I need you to be the guy that can go wherever it is that I need you to go to, to line up in whatever position I need you to line up in to run whatever route concept I need you to run and be able to get open and make a play. And I think we're going to see that. And I think we also saw in the blue gold game that Sam Hartman has a lot of confidence in Jaden Great and Jaden Thomas as well. He'll he'll thumb the ball short, intermediate, deep. Uh, he'll try to even force him the ball in at times because there's confidence he's going to go out and make those plays. The next guy you're going to talk about a receiver is, is obvious. This is one that I'm sure a lot of you thought we were going to start off with, and that's Tobias Merriweather. And when I look at Tobias Merriweather this season, you know, see, I, I see a guy 
that has all the talent in the world to be an, an impact player. He's going to be a bigger part of the offense this year. His understanding of the offense is greatly improved. His feel for the offense is greatly improved. The question now is there's a level of consistency you need for receivers to thrive. How far along in this part of the growth and development is Tobias Merriweather? That's going to determine just how good he can be. And here's why that matters. So I need to be able to, as receivers coach, to look at Tobias and say, hey, look, I love the traits. 6'4", over 6'4", actually, 200-plus pounds, good speed, smooth athlete, really good ball skills, improving strength, polished route runner for his age. There's all the tools you, you want outside of just blazing speed to be an impact player. The question is, I don't know which version I'm going to get from you snap to snap. And that's the case with a lot of young players. Am I going to get a guy that's going to come out and say, hey, look, I, I, no matter where you line me up, I, I know what I'm doing. I can do it. I can do it fast. There were times last year, even when, when Tobias was playing, where you watch him come off the line and you're like, he's running really slow. And it's not that he doesn't have the speed to be faster. The question, the problem was clearly that he was thinking, okay, how am I supposed to set this guy up? What exactly am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to break this route off? How am I supposed to do this? And what what Tobias needs to do is to just be more in a position where he just he can go. He can just fly off the ball. He can attack. He can get over the top. He's he's whatever his speed level is. He's getting off the line, and he's showing himself to be that guy. That's going to be the key to, for Tobias because all the tools are there, and where he is on that consistency spectrum, whether it's a you know practice, it, it, games where there's a trust level with the coaches, and even more importantly, I would argue even more important is there a trust level with Sam Hartman to say, hey, look. I know you're going to run this route. I know you're going to get a step on this guy. And when you do, expect the football. That's the question. And now I believe that that relationship has been made, but does it carry over onto Saturdays? Because we're going to hear a lot in fall camp about in this summer. I promise you, we're going to hear from sources and we're going to hear from when we go to practice, oh, Tobias Merriweather looks great. He's this, he's that, and the other thing. And you all know I'm very high on the young man. The question is now, does it translate onto Saturdays? That's going to be the big question. And if he can be consistent, then he will be Notre Dame's breakout player this year. Jaden Thomas will be the guy that if you know the game, if you know receiver play, you watch the game and say, man, that guy's so valuable. Like you need that guy. But the guy that gets all the love publicly for the big plays and the touchdowns and all that could be Tobias. The talent is certainly there. And to me, he's the one guy that I look at right now that I have the most confidence in to be a true alpha. What do I mean by that? I can see Jaden Thomas developing certain alpha traits this season. What does that mean? Okay, a guy that can be a volume pass catcher, a guy that can be a money third down guy, a guy that can... You know, when when push comes to shove, you you can step up and make that guy or expect that guy to go make a play. In some ways, I can see Jaden Thomas playing that role to a degree. But the other type of alpha I'm talking about is more of the guy that can do all that, but then whatever you do with him, 
forces the defense to adjust their game plan. Every Saturday, they're going to go into this game saying, hey, we've got to make sure that we have a game plan designed to make sure that guy's not going to beat us. That's a true alpha. You'll see on teams all the time, like, how does that guy keep putting up numbers? Why is that guy always in single coverage? Because at the end of the day, the opponents are not overly worried about that guy. He'll get his eight catches and 101 yards, but your offense doesn't move the ball a ton. There's no big plays. There's no explosives because they don't think that guy can hurt him. Let him get his little eight-yard gain on first down. We're, we're going to do this. We're, we're, not, we're not super concerned about that guy. But then there's that guy that you look at and say, we can't let that – we got to pay attention to that guy every play because if, if we don't pay attention to that guy, he can beat us for 50. And that's kind of like what Will Fuller was. Michael Floyd was that way. Golden Tate was that way. Chase Claypool in 2019 eventually became that way. Where if you don't have, if you don't game plan for this guy, he's going to burn you. And he's going to hurt you in a big way. And I think Tobias has that ability. But is he going to have that ability on a consistent basis? That's what we don't know. And that's what he's got to prove this year. All the talent is there. And this is going to be a common theme with as we go through these receivers and talk about each guy. And what their expectations are is there's, you know, talent, skill, et cetera, et cetera. But there's always going to be a but. But he needs to do this. And that's a true, that's true with Tobias. So what what can Tobias be this year? What's the ceiling for Tobias Merriweather this year? To me, the ceiling is exactly what we just said. He becomes that number one receiver. He becomes that alpha that teams say, we've got to figure out a way to stop this guy. What's the floor? Need to be not what it can be because what it can be is he doesn't play and he doesn't he doesn't do a whole lot. But what is the floor for Tobias if he's going to help this receiving core take that next step? The floor to me has to be at least a 30 40 catch guy that averages 14 15 yards a catch. That's not big time production, but it's enough production that you look at and say, I think this guy's got a chance to maybe as a junior step up and, and be productive. When, when I think if you want to compare it to two other players. So, you know, Tobias, the ceiling this year could look a lot like what we saw from Miles Boykin in 2018. Now, those weren't monster numbers, but when you look at it, it, the ball was spread around. There was a lot of different aspects of it. But when you look at the numbers, 59 catches, 872 yards, eight touchdowns. I could see him being very much like that. I could see him, you know, kind of coming close. You know, we could even look at the Kevin Austin numbers. Actually, Kevin Austin's numbers might be even a little bit more close to what Tobias is. 48 catches, 888 yards, 18 and a half per catch, seven touchdowns. I could see numbers along those lines. The floor to me is similar to kind of what we saw from Equinemy St. Brown in 2017. 33 catches, 515 yards. You can look at maybe... Uh, Corey Robinson back in 2014 when he had 40 catches for 539 yards. That needs to be the statistical floor for Tobias this season. Is that right there? You know, 33 to 40 catches, 500 to 600 yards. That needs to be the floor. The ceiling needs to be, you know, 55 to 65 catches, 800 plus yards, and a guy that teams have to defend. The reason I'm not predicting the big numbers is just because I, if you look at Sam Hartman last year at Wake Forest, he spreads the ball around a lot. And I think he's going to spread the ball around a lot in Notre Dame. But what we have to understand is there's two things that are going to impact the offense this year when it comes to, well, replicating the numbers he had at Wake Forest last year. He had five different receivers last season that caught at least 37 passes 
and five different receivers last year that had at least 553 yards. He had four different receivers that had at least six touchdown receptions, and at least three three of them had at least nine touchdown receptions. I don't anticipate that type of production from this unit for three reasons. Number one, you're going to see tight ends get more production than what they had at Wake Forest. Wake Forest last year, they had, I'm looking at 33 total, 33 total catches from the tight ends. Not a ton. When you look at uh, the running back, some, you know, it, it won't be a huge difference. But here's two and three are the really primary reasons. Number two, right, is the offense won't throw the ball as much as it did at Wake Forest. Now, I expect Notre Dame to throw the ball more, certainly more than it did last season. I don't anticipate them being a, a 35.7 attempts per game team or 36 like they were the year before. I think Notre Dame will, will desire for more efficiency than what we saw from Sam at Wake Forest. It was 8.3, 8.6 last two years, which is good, especially in that offense with as, as much as they throw the ball. But the other thing is, I think with Notre Dame, you want to get closer to like that 8.9, 9.0 that Ian Book was in 2019 or 2018 when he took over in the middle of the season and was probably the most efficient that that he could be. And when you look at what Ian was in the regular season, that's where he was when he took over. His numbers went way down because in Vanderbilt, he threw three, three, three attempts for only 13 yards because they were all red zone throws. And then when you look at the bowl game, he was at 4.7 yards per attempt. But if you look at where he was for the for most of the regular season, he was 9.6, Ended up being, I believe, if, if I remember correctly, I've done this data before, I believe he's around 8.9 yards per attempt. You really want to try to get up around that 9.0 yards, yards per attempt. If you're going to be a heavy RPO team and, and be that type of offense, you want to be around that 8.9, 9.0 yards per attempt. And so you're going to need guys that that are efficient and effective in those type of areas, but you're also going to need guys that can make some plays. And so the third part, the third reason I don't think that volume is going to get matched is because uh, the new rules, you're just going to see fewer plays. Now, I don't know if it's going to be five fewer plays a game, eight fewer plays a game. I don't know exactly what the rule impact is going to be, but you're probably looking at a possession, a game per team, if not just, I would imagine that will be about where it is. So all those things are going to factor into it. So, you know, 55, 60 catches for 850, 900 yards in their name is going to be similar on a, on a per play basis to what A.T. Perry did at Wake Forest last year. So something to keep in mind. So that's kind of where I'm at with him. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The next receiver that, that man, I'll tell you what, 
there is no receiver on the depth chart to me that has a greater variance of opinion amongst Notre Dame fans than Deion Colsey. You're talking about a kid that some people like me think that if the light goes on for this young man, he's got a chance to be a, a really good football player. You t- I talked earlier about having Miles Boykin numbers. He's a guy to me that could absolutely have Miles Boykin numbers. 59 catches, 872 yards, eight touchdowns this season as a boundary receiver. He's big, 6'5", 215. He's fast. He's got long arms. He's got strong hands. He just, the thing about Dion, and we've said it before, I don't need to keep hammering it, is you just don't know what you're going to get on a day-to-day basis from Dion, from everything I've, everybody I've talked to. When Dion's on, he's really good. When he's not, he's just, he's not bad. He's just kind of there. And he's got way too much talent to just kind of be there. Now, he got better as the season went on last year. He got better in the spring. But even now, there's still just a desire to to just see more from him. And even the two practices we saw, you know, you'd see Dion have a couple reps. You're just like, yeah, man, it just doesn't look like he's really giving it to me on this particular rep. And he's trying, but he just doesn't have a sense of urgency. You know, so it's not like he's taking a rep off. There's just no urgency. And then there'd be a rep where you're like, whew, man, that was a great rep. Oh, that was an awesome rep. And then there's a rep, like we like I've explained before, where he comes off, he smokes ben, Benjamin Morrison, hasn't beat by four or five yards at least, perfect touchdown pass, potential touchdown reception, post route in the end zone, hits him in the hands, and he drops it. And it's just that inconsistency that can make Dion a bit maddening and frustrating as a coach because you, you get more frustrated by the guys with the most talent. That's just the reality. Like if Matt Salerno doesn't have a great day of practice, but he's working his butt off, you don't get mad because you're like, hey, he doesn't have Tobias's skill and Tyree's speed and Dion's size and skill and all that because he's giving it to me every day. When Dion's not reaching that potential, when Tobias isn't reaching that potential, you get frustrated as a coach because you know how good he can be. And I think that's where Notre Dame is right now with Dion Colsey is they're just waiting on that moment where Dion decides, okay, I want to be great. I'm going to work at it every day. I'm going to show it every day. And I'm going to prove to people that have that are doubting me that I can be this guy. It amazes me how many fans have just kind of already tossed Dion Colsey aside because for whatever reason. And just assume that because he wasn't this by his junior year that he's going to you know, that he can't be that guy. And it, it, it's kind of funny that that people are willing to just kind of count him out so quickly after his sophomore year in which he had nine catches for 192 yards and a touchdown. I mean, you, you look at Deion Colsey for his career and you look at his stats so far, and then you compare Miles Boykin and his stats at the same stage. And Deion Colsey has been a far more productive player so far in this stage of his career than Miles Boykin was. Miles Boykin at this stage in his career had six catches for 81 yards and a touchdown. That's it. If you look at Miles Boykin through three seasons, so post-junior year, he was a kid with 18 catches for 334 yards and three touchdowns. That's it after his third year. Then he breaks out as a junior and has 59 catches, 872 yards and eight touchdowns. Deion Colsey through just two seasons 
has 13 catches for 259 yards, 19.9 yards per attempt and a touchdown, and had some clutch grabs last year. Yet there's a small, albeit small, but a vocal part of the fan base that's just, now he can't play, he can't help you, he can't do this, he can't do that. And it's kind of puzzling, to be honest with you, to see uh, this this kind of emerge. And it's a, it's a little head-scratching. But some of it is also understandable because I think there's there's part of that group that had such high hopes for Dion, and the fact that he couldn't break out in a year where they needed somebody with his talent level to step up, you, you get a little bit frustrated. And I think what I would say to those people is you have to keep in mind that Dion is a year younger, about a year younger than most players in his grade. So I think from a mental and physical maturity standpoint as a football player, He's not necessarily where you would expect him to be. and But now that's that excuse that I've used for him, now that he enters his third season in college, it's got to be gone. Can't use that anymore. And that's where this is a huge offseason for Deion Coles because I'm not at all, at all ready to just say, well, he is what he is. You know, nice complimentary player, but that's it. I think Deion has a chance to be that guy. But I will say this. If it doesn't happen now, I will question if it's going to happen. And this is where Dion is entering a, a, a really unique season because the opportunity is there for Dion to become an impact player for Notre Dame, whether it's on 30 catches or 70 catches. But when he's in the game, to be an impact player, stretch the field, win one-on-ones, be a big-time player, be a third-down guy, be a red zone guy, be a guy that you can count on to make big plays. But he's also in a situation where if it doesn't click this year, the talent level behind him with Braylon James and Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores and then the incoming freshman class of Cam Williams and Isaiah Canyon and Micah Gilbert to where you're going to get to the point in time you're just going to say, well, I just don't know if if he's got it in him. And I know this guy wants it. And so I'm going to make that transition and start pushing that guy more. And that's where Dion, that's where Dion is. I'm not saying it's going to happen this summer and fall camp, but if Dion doesn't break out by the time we get to the 2020 end of the 2023 season, that's when you could start to see that happen. So Dion's a guy that could really hold the future of this receiving core, at least the present, I should say, of this receiving core in his hands. If he can be that guy, because I there's an expectation I have for Tobias. Like I said about Tobias, like to me, the floor for him is like 35, 40 catches. 500 five to 550 yards. That's the floor for him. I'd be shocked if he does anything less than that, barring injury. With Dion, I could see him just repeating last year. That's the floor for him. It's a much lower floor. But the ceiling could be a huge breakout. 60, 50, 60 catches, eight, 900 yards. He could really have that kind of breakout for a number of reasons, talent alone, and then plus the boundary receiver always tends to be that. So there's this wide variance of what his floor and ceiling is. And the closer he gets to his ceiling, the better this football team is going to be. And I'll say this, if Deion Colsey breaks out, even just in that middle area, 35 catches, 40 catches, this receiving core is going to be hard to defend. Because if Deion's a legitimate weapon, you know, maybe not a nine catch every game. He's not Michael Floyd yet. He's not that guy. But if Dion can step up and just be a consistently good three to five catch per game guy, 
that makes this receiving core so hard to defend because you've already got Jaden Thomas. You're going to have Chris Tyree. We'll get to in a minute. You're going to have to buy some Weather. Now, all of a sudden, you start, having, start asking yourself, how do we slow this group down? If this guy's out making plays, I don't know how we stop these receivers. So let's dive into the next guy. And I think this is a very intriguing player. And that's Chris Tyree. Obviously, Chris Tyree came to Notre Dame, big-time running back, top 100 guy, showed flashes as a freshman, has over 400 yards rushing, home run threat, sophomore year goes out, he's banged up a little bit, still shows big playability, has a a 96-yard kick return against Wisconsin, has a big 55-yard touchdown reception against, I, I believe it was Toledo, that was a big play in that game, showed that ability, and then comes out as a junior year, and it's like they were using him at times like you should use him. Dual threat guy. Get him on the move on the outside. Get him you know, in the run game. Use him in the pass game. Move him around. Do different things with him. And when you look at early in the season, you know Chris Tyree was Notre Dame's best player, I, I, I would argue, on offense in the first three, four games of the season outside of Michael Mayer. And, and the numbers, to me, show that. If you look at the numbers, I mean, he goes out, he averages 10.5 yards per play against Marshall. They don't get him the ball a ton, but when he does have the ball, he's effective. Then you go out and you look at, at what he did against, uh, against California. He has 108 yards of offense against California, 64 rushing, 44 receiving, catches a touchdown pass that game. Next week against North Carolina has 80 yards rushing and 24 yards receiving. And you could watch those two games and you could see when Chris Tyree was moving and, and, and going through movement plays, and going through motions and things like that, you could see North Carolina very worried about him. And and then you kind of fast forward to the next couple games. I'm trying to think. I believe like Logan Diggs had a a wheel route for a big play in that game. And that play, one thing you'll notice is I, I believe on that particular play that Chris Tyree was the guy that was going in motion on that play, was going on a little swing route. And we saw that in the bowl game as well. But as you get out of the North Carolina game, you start to see Chris Tyree's usage change. And they went away from using him as sort of that dual inside-out player. You started to see this team become more prone to just saying, hey, we're just we're just going to line up. We're going to play smash-mouth football. We're going to run it down your throat. And that's just who we're going to be. And they did that against – just about everybody, and, and no matter who they put in the game. So you start seeing Chris Tyree come in the game. He's not getting the ball on the perimeter like he was earlier in the game, earlier in the season. He's not uh, getting out there in, in, in space like he was earlier in the season. He's not being used in the ways that that worked so well for him last year. So, yeah, no, what it was is they – I'm watching that play now. They did, a, they did a run action away that got Chris Tyree free or that, that and it went Logan Diggs the opposite direction is what they did. So they did use him as a decoy, but it was having him run away. And then Logan Diggs got free for that big catch. But you saw Chris Tyree just be used as if he was Logan Diggs and Audric Estimate, and that's not his game. And then we get to Clemson, and you're kind of like Chris Tyree's the forgotten man a little bit. And he comes in that game, he has 26 yards rushing, 26 yards receiving on two catches. They didn't use him a lot, but when they did, they put him outside he makes two catches, two RPO catches, gets 26 yards on two catches, and you start to see it again. And it was frustrating watching that team play and not utilize Chris Tyree for what he does. He's a one-cut-and-go, get-him-in-space, use-his-speed type of guy. 
and it was just a it was a very frustrating way to use him and that's why they moved him to receiver this new staff said hey look this guy's got something that nobody else on the team has and that is absolute blazing speed he's not a super shifty guy he's not a guy that you're going to put in there and, and run duo all game and hammer people that's not using him correctly He's a guy that you need to get in space, let him use his vertical speed. And they're starting to do that. Now, the question is, how are you going to to use him this season? Is it going to be limited to some gimmicky stuff, some slants, some crossers, some overs, you know, bubble screens, now screens, those type of things, jet sweeps? Or are you going to see him eventually evolve into an actual slot receiver, meaning he can work the seams, he can work corner routes, he can work out cuts? And how much he evolves his overall receiver repertoire to me is going to have a big say on how he's how how impactful he's going to be. But at the very least, at the very least, Chris Tyree needs to go through the end of the season and have at least 50 touches from the receiver position. When you look at from the standpoint of um, total, like, um, and when I'm talking about touches, I'm talking about carries and receptions. I don't expect him to have – I actually, I'd probably say closer to 60 is what I need to see him have this year because he's not going to have 60 catches, I don't think. But he had 24 last year as a running back. If he had 24 last year as a running back, there's no excuse he can't have at least 30 this season. And then you'd like to see him have about you know 20 to 30 carries this season as well on top of you know 20 to 30 or 30 to 40 receptions. So I think that's the minimum for him. And then the question is, they're going to do things to get him the football this year. I have no doubt about that. But now it's up to Chris Tyree to step up and say, okay, this is what I've wanted. I've wanted the football. I've wanted it in space. I've wanted to run jet sweeps. I've wanted to run outside zone. I've wanted to run screens. I'm out in space now. Now let me go do something with it. So that's his opportunity. He's going to get it this year. I think you have a staff that values him. They looked at their roster and they said, we're kind of deep at running back at the time. You can really help us over here by giving us something we don't have. And when they made that move, it was, we're moving you not to just be a piece, but to be an impact piece. And I think that's what Chris Tyree can do. That's what the expectation that the Notre coaching staff has for him. And if he can, if he can live up to their expectations, he's going to be an impact player. And so we kind of go through these four vets, right? And you look at Tobias and you look at Dion and you look at Chris and then you look at Jaden and Jaden, we kind of all expect to just be good. How good? We'll find out. But he's good. The question now comes down to of these other three, how many of them start to tap into their full potential and how many of them do we actually stop using the word potential? The more guys we that we stop using potential for, the better this group is going to be. And it's those three right there. It's Tobias. It's Dion. It's Chris Tyree. Loads of talent. All three of those guys were ranked as top 100 recruits by at least one service coming out of high school. Tyree and Tobias were ranked as top 50 recruits by at least one recruiting service. The talent is there. The profile is there. The size is there in two of them. The speed is there in the other one. The question is, will Chris, will Chancey Stuckey be able to push the right buttons, which each one of those three kids to, to get the most out of them. And this, to me, is the still the one big question mark that I have for Chancey Stuckey as a new coach. I have no doubt he knows the game. I have no doubt he, he, he doesn't not only experience as a player, but he can get up there and teach it on a board and teach route technique and do all those kind of things. 
But what separates the guys that know the game from great coaches are can you can you find the right ways to motivate each player? Some young coaches and guys that are not when I say young, I'm talking about young from an experience standpoint. They tend to have a especially former players. Well, this is how I did it. And and this is what I did. And I I played the game this way. And I, I learned this way. And, and this guy learns that way too. You don't learn that way. I keep trying to get you to do this how I want you to do it. And you don't do it. You're not, it's not clicking for you. You're not giving me this. You're not giving me that. And it's just this cookie cutter way of develop of, of treating all your players. What we're going to learn this season about Coach Stuckey is, is he that? Or is he got to understand the way for me to get Jaden Thomas to his best level is to engage him and teach him and develop him this way. The way for me to do it with Tobias is this way. The way to do it with Tyree is this way. The way to do it with Dion is this way. Now, there's got to be a level of consistency from an expectation standpoint, from, from, from how they go about their business. I need, I need all of you to give me your best effort. I need all of you to be locked in in meetings. I need all of you to have your notebooks and your playbooks or whatever it is that you have, your pens, your pads, all that kind of stuff, whatever you need to have. I need all of you out there before pre-practice doing this. I need all of you making sure that you're working on these parts of the game. But the way that I'm going to really get the most out of Dion is by treating him this way. And if you have a garden and you've got all types of different fruits and vegetables in your garden, well, they all need to grow and you need to have one healthy garden. But how you manage each of them is going to be different. Some fruits and vegetables require a lot of water, consistent water. Others, you can water them too much. Others, you need to make them, you know, they, 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 they don't need a lot of water. Some, if you don't water them every day, they die. You know, some need to be treated this way. Some need to be treated that way. Some need to be pruned early. Some need to be pruned later. There's all types of different ways to do it. But you have to make sure that you know how to get the most out of each different thing that I've planted and I'm raising. That's what coaching is. And the best coaches understand that. The best coaches understand that I can't treat Tobias like I treat Jaden because they're different kids and they and you and they get motivated in different ways. And how I reach Jaden is not going to be the same way that I reach Braylon James or Rico Flores. That's the challenge of being a football coach. It really is. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. It's not easy, but it is imperative that Coach Stuckey have that ability. And if he can show that ability this season, then this receiving core is going to be very, very good. And we're going to find out just how good of a coach he actually is in that regard. And then the last piece of this puzzle is going to be the freshman class. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on that group right now, to be honest with you. Uh, We're going to focus – we'll have another freshman conversation down the road. But talking to Coach Freem today, I mean, he was very – we were talking about the 23 class, talking about the receiving core, and he made it very clear. He's like, you know, we got three freshmen, and I expect all of them to play. Talking about the early enrollees. Caleb Smith, you know, just showed up. He says, but we got the three – talking about the early enrollees, and we expect them all to play. They're going to have a chance to play. And I think that that having them there to provide a level of push for the veterans is going to be good for them. It's going to be good for them to have to be able to look back and say, hey, look, if you're not going to bring it today, that's cool. I'm just going to put Jaden Greenhouse in the game. I'm just going to put, you know, these other things in the game. 
uh, these other players in the game, and we're just going to roll with it. We're going to go 12 personnel today. We're going we're gonna to do more 21 because we're just not getting enough for you. And so I like that. I like having that kind of depth where you can where you can kind of hold guys to the fire a little bit that way. But ultimately, you're going to have your best unit if you don't need that. Where I don't need to threaten Dion or Tobias or Jaden or Tyree with, if you don't do this, you're you know, I'm going to play the younger players. The best teams don't need that. They're motivated on other things. Coach, I'm not worried about that guy coming behind me. I'm gonna I'm gonna teach. I'm gonna coach him up. I'm gonna mentor him, and I'm gonna make sure that when I go pro he's ready to step in because my focus is on as a player is not on oh worried about the guy behind me it's i'm worried about going out here and dominating i'm going to dominate benjamin morrison today i'm going to dominate jade mickey i'm going to dominate cam hart today because if i can dominate those guys and i know on saturday i can dominate whoever i'm going to play and i think that's when you know your group has arrived but even then there's still some pruning and some some different things that need to happen to as a coach to make sure that you're doing your part to get the most out of them and we're going to find out if Coach Stuckey has the ability to do that this year. At the end of these previews, we do a lot of different things that are that are fun, and, and so we do confidence and and biggest questions and bold predictions. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of roll through those here real quick. When you look at the receiving core, the things that I'm most confident in, I'm most confident in Jaden Thomas this season that he's going to step out and be at least a 40 catch guy minimum. I'm, I'm very confident in that. The other thing I'm most confident in is that the freshman class is going to is going to have a say in what they're going to do. And then the third thing I'm most confident in when it comes to the receiving core is I'm pretty confident this this group is going to provide a lot more big plays than what we've seen in past years. I think that's something this offense needs and I think a big part of it isn't just their talent level, that's part of it. But the other part of it is I just expect them to to be a part of an offense that's going to allow them to do that more often and allow them to make more plays and allow them to challenge opponents more. And I think they're going to reward Jared Parker and Chancey Stuckey with that. It's needed. This team needs that group to be more dynamic. This team needs that group to make more plays. And I'm confident they're going to make more plays. The question, however, and we, we we're kind of going to the, the biggest question standpoint next. The question now is, will this group, be good enough to have to make those kind of plays to the volume needed to go out there and compete for a championship. Are they going to make those plays to the volume that you need to beat Ohio state, to beat Clemson, to beat USC, to go on the road and beat an NC state and the Duke. That's the question. I think that the, the production I expect to be very good this year. The final piece of this puzzle, when you look at the receiving core is will the production be impact and money production? Meaning, okay, great. You had five catches for 150 yards against Tennessee State. Woohoo! You had seven catches for 120 yards against Central Michigan. Okay, great. Hey, you ripped up Stanford's crap defense. Wonderful. Oh, good. You 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 scored on NC State because nobody else. I mean, uh, Wake Forest because nobody else scores on Wake Forest. That's all fine, and that's needed. But what defines the great players and the great teams, the great units is, can you do it against Ohio State? Can you do it on the road against NC State? Can you do it at Duke? Can you do it against USC? Can you do it at Clemson? Can you do it in the playoff? Can you do it in the national championship game? That's the question. 
And how that question gets answered is going to go a long way towards determining just how good this team is going to be. I'm going to hold off on bold predictions until I get Vince back on the show because that's part of the fun is doing that with him. So we, we're going to have some fun on those. We'll, next time he and I do a show, we'll we'll do a little receiver recap on that and, and dive into the to the receivers a little bit. But I, I think that this is a very important group. This is a team that has to step up. This is a unit that has to step up. Notre Dame can be a very good offense this year with the receivers just being solid. They're good enough at running back, O-line, quarterback, tight end. That if the receivers are just good, this offense will be better. The question, however, is this going to be a playoff caliber offense, a championship caliber offense? And for that to happen, this group has to be very good, especially in the big games. How they do in, the, in, in those two areas is going to determine just how good they're going to be, and it's going to have a big say on how we evaluate Chancey Stuckey coming out of the season. Solid coach, great recruiter, or is he both? Those are going to be the questions that we get answered. So we're going to have a mailbag next, but th- so that that's going to do it for this part of the show. We're going to do a mailbag next, but before we go, ask y'all to do me a favor, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. And if you have not already done so, sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. We have four, over 14,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel. We do not have 14,000 subscribers on our message board. So you're definitely going to want to do that. There's plenty of you still out there that have not have not made that decision yet. I promise you, you won't regret it. Sign up with us. Not only does it help support Irish Breakdown, help us to grow this channel, help us to grow our staff, help us to do all types of different things that that are going to make our content even better, but it's also fun. You'll enjoy it. And and so I would love for you to sign up for that. Just go to boards at irishbreakdown.com. And so we have mailbag coming up next, but uh, that is our breakdown for the Notre Dame receivers. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.